In a world filled with big sports companies and high-end production podcasts comes a group of guys who paid five bucks for this intro. Welcome to Eat, Sleep, Fantasy. All right, welcome back to another episode of Eat Sleep Fantasy. I'm one of your co-hosts, Richard Frere, otherwise known as Intern Rich. Are you talking? Shut up, Richard. You can follow us at Eat Sleep FF. Joining me today is, of course, Dale DeMond. How you doing today, Dale? Fuck you, Dale! Fuck you! Yeah, I'm doing awesome, man. I'm excited to get this episode going without Jabberjaw Christian Burrito, so I'm happy. We lost a he, lot he of... He won't run us over and talk over us all the time. There. Lost a lot of dead weight there, finally. <laughs> Dang, is that a fat <laughs> joke? What the fuck, Richard? Hey, I'm... He's out for five minutes and you already have fat jokes? <laughs> Uh, also, to hate us. also joining us, as you can hear, Armando Crespo. How you doing today, Armando? Armando Vacilan, Armando What's up, guys? I'm here to make this podcast entertaining because otherwise it sucks. Uh, any, what, you can go off now. <laughs> really, yeah. we don't even need you. Yeah, you, you've <laughs> been an afterthought well, well, for me. Right. Now, now that they know my name's in here, they're just going to, you know, whatever. Let's just move on. They heard, they heard your song, and now they can uh, shut it off. Exactly. We have a we have a long big time show today. Bong, we have a bong. Is that what you said? A long. I said long. <laughs> All right. Well, any anything you guys want to talk about before we jump right into it? Uh, well, uh, we could talk about what we have going on, which is uh, an awesome Matt Harmon interview that uh, Christian and I did uh, yesterday. It's really really good. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, really really entertaining. Um, and then on top of that, we have. Uh, mailbag we finally got some voicemails some of you finally decided to call us on our number 507 69 sleep um and then we also have a couple emails and then we're going to go into some news so we have a full show today and you guys are gonna get so much information uh your buttholes are gonna gonna be bleeding bleeding. dale you you sound a little little more nasally than usual you you getting better you still sick what's going Uh, on no yeah yeah i uh i had flu-like symptoms um i pulled out of it though i'm still yeah i'm still a little sick though but I'm here for you guys. Yeah. Armando, how how you doing, man? How's that houseboat coming? It's coming. I just finished doing uh, a little bit of tiling, painting some walls. Soon I'll have some Wait, furniture can, in here. So Can you guys give the listener can Armando, can you give the listeners up update what you've done since you left New York City? So since I left New York City, I crossed the country from Miami to New York and then from New York to San Francisco. I bought a houseboat and I've been renovating it ever for the past two weeks and um yeah hopefully it comes out okay i know nothing about boats and i can't swim but i'm sure it'll turn out just fine yeah. well the, the the worst thing about it all you went from new york all the way through to wyoming and then oh. your car broke down because you forgot to put oil in in it you like forgot to put to, oil like a, in it like a real like a real man is supposed to well you know uh, got yelled at by your father-in-law well, it turns out my father-in-law called me the next day and told me that he knew that the car was eating oil and didn't tell me because for some reason. So I don't know how much of it it's my fault or his fault, but it happens, you know, cars in the shop now getting a new engine. So it's fine. So you went like 2000 miles. You were like 12 hours away from home. Finally, you're like on the home stretch. I went, fi- and... I went 6,000 miles, Dale. Oh shit. Okay. 6,000 miles. <laughs> that sucks. 
Yes. And, yeah, uh, yeah. and your car, your car blew up in the middle of the desert pretty much. And now you're living on a house. It was literally with your three girlfriend. hours after recording that interview with her fantasy. Uh, yeah. Brendan, Mary and Lee. Yeah. It was really depressing. Listen, the, 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 the three things you need to check in your car before you make any kind of long distance trip, you check the air pressure in the tires, you check mm-hmm. the car to make sure that you have oil in it, and then you make yep. sure that you have water inside of the inside of the, the coolant reservoir. You got to okay, check all three of those things. We, we checked all those <laughs> things, but the thing that you don't realize is the car was eating the oil throughout the trip. It ate the oil. The car was, everything was checked. The car ate the oil. I don't know. I find that a little hard to believe, but uh, all, all your negligence aside, let's go ahead and get into wait, our, wait, our list you don't of voicemails. That, that is a thing. Older cars eat oil. That is a thing. Something your car wasn't that old. Don't act like you had an antique, you know, Is your car like 2005, 2006? <laughs> 2006 Subaru Outback. That's not an old car. Exactly why I didn't worry about the car eating the oil. Let's, let's just move on. <laughs> <laughs> so long story short, you're now living on a houseboat with your girlfriend. Without a car, uh, and you're remodeling it. Yes, and two and two little dogs, which is a, you fish which is a great decision. I, I don't fish off my boat yet. I'm too busy renovating it. So Th- thanks for bringing this up, Richard. I mean, Dale, this is really depressing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into it. Cause some came in the mail today. Yeah, I did. These nuts. <laughs> Got him. <he. laughs> All right, let's go ahead and play the first voicemail. Voicemail came from Jesse from Philadelphia. Hey guys, it's Jesse from Philadelphia. Uh, you guys asked us to call in if we had any questions and leave a voicemail. So here's me calling in because I have a question. Uh, I hope I don't get a lot of spam mail or any solicitations from this call, uh, unless it's for, you know, some discount pot news or something. But my question is, I've been finding myself getting some of the same players, no matter what team, no matter what format, for my bench. And some of those players, for me at least, are... Rashad Jennings, Justin Forsett, and for wide out, Michael Thomas and Philip Dorsett. And I love those guys. They're on all of my teams. So my question for you all is, what are your all-bench teams? What are the team, What are the players that you're getting on your bench in every team, it seems, so far in drafts? Uh, thank, guys, thank you, guys, and keep up the good work. Hey, Jesse. Uh, thanks again for uh, leaving your voicemail and calling us. Um, so I guess uh... – you know, you're asking what bench players uh, we end up with usually. Um, there's a kind of there's a few guys that end up on most of my benches. Um, Marcus Wheaton almost always does. Marvin Jones. Uh, you mentioned Justin Forsett, and I love Justin Forsett on my bench. Um, you know, he's starting running back at least for the beginning of part of the season. Um, Sterling Shepard uh, is on my list a lot, um, and Bruce Ellington. I usually end the draft uh, somewhere uh, finding Bruce Ellington not picked yet. Um, so I always take a fly on him. Um, but again, I always, I wait on my quarterbacks and tight ends. So I start filling out my bench a little sooner than some others. Um, so those are my guys. You guys have any, anybody else that you, that you finding on your bench often? Yeah. You mentioned, yeah. you mentioned a couple of them already, uh, which was Sterling Shepard and Marvin Jones. Uh, for me, you know, I'm also looking at if, if I have an opportunity to pick up a running back like Derrick Henry or Bilal Powell or, you know, even Jarek McKinnon, where any three of those running backs, if their number one on that team ends up going down, you're going to have a starting running back that you can go ahead and put in every single week. You had anybody so, else? So when, you're draft, so when you're drafting your, your bench, you're usually in the draft, you're looking for maybe one handcuff, uh, 
right. one really good handcuff just to stash. Right, because if you, if you have yeah. run, a running back like Bilal Powell or Jarek McKinnon on your bench and something happens to one of your running backs, you can still yeah. count on these guys to, to to be able to give you some kind of fantasy relevance on a week-to-week basis. So it's not like yeah. I'm and looking lot, for... Lottery tickets. Yeah, yeah, it's not like I'm looking for just home run potential and nothing else yeah. because these guys you can, you can still put in on a week-to-week basis and they can produce, you know, maybe seven or eight points per game for you. But if they're so, if the number one goes down, now you're talking a home run. Right. right. Well, my, to counter that, Richard, in my bench, I don't look for guys that are going to be fancy relevant for, on because of because of an injury. I'm looking for a guy who has who's a backup to a bad running back, like Josh Ferguson is to Frank Gore. Okay. Or Justin Forsett is to Terrence West. So I'm looking for guys like that where you know there's you know McKinnon has great talent, but the chance like I can't bank on someone getting injured i can bank on a player not being good enough to play the entire season so i know yeah. there's a there's a better chance that frank Gore's is not gonna finish the season versus jeremy mckinnon taking over adrian peterson so i'm looking at guys like that so i'm drafting you know i don't believe in the talent of um latavius murray so i'm looking at guys like washington i don't like cj anderson so i'm looking at a guy like booker josh ferguson and then at the wide receiver position i'm looking more like Devontae Parker, he's a, he's coming to his year two. He's one of the only rookies, rookie wide receivers that played last season that was drafted in the first round. You know, Perryman didn't, Kevin White didn't. So Devontae Parker, you know, got some good snaps last year. I also really, really, really like um, – I'm also really liking Devin Funches right now. Um, he's being undrafted in most leagues, and I really see a lot of upside coming in there. He's getting – he's in his second year with Cam Newton. Kelvin Benjamin's in his second year, but you know that chemistry is still hot and ready for Devin Funches with Cam Newton. So I think he's going to be the number one there by the end of the season. So I'm looking at guys like that. I also like um, the new receiver, Travis Benjamin, with Phillip Rivers. I think that's going to be an amazing link next, this year. So though, I'm looking really deep in drafts for my uh, bench spots. Okay, cool. Yeah, I mean, right, that, so that's, that's kind that's of three, three different strategies we're looking at, kind of. Yeah. All right, we have another voicemail here. Hey, what's up, guys? Uh, you know me best by my Twitter handle, at FromTheThrone. But my question is about running back handcuffs. So, you know, there are running back handcuffs that are just the backups, like an Alfred Blue who will get the work when the number one goes down. But then there are, like, studly, legitimate top ten contending running back handcuffs, like uh, D'Angelo Williams, who, if they get the workload, can step in and be a legitimate top ten contender. So, what are your, I guess, top five legitimate top five or top ten contending handcuff backs that if they get the workload and the number one goes down, they're a starter on any fantasy football team any week? Thanks, guys. Bye. All right. Yeah, thanks, uh, at From the Throne. Uh, you're very active on Twitter. We appreciate uh, the interaction on Twitter as well. Um, so, yeah, a couple of the handcuffs that I have going on um, – I guess uh, I guess I could just start with the kind of obvious ones here. Uh, I'll just kind of rattle the list, and you guys tell me what you think. Um, Chris Johnson, Jarek McKinnon, who Rich just said, uh, D'Angelo Williams is going to be uh, a hot item. Uh, Tevin Coleman, uh, Devontae Booker, DeAndre Washington, Charles Sims, Derek Henry. Uh, those are my top guys. Um, though I think all those guys I mentioned, if their guys go down, they can all be a top twelve uh, running back. Um, Devontae Booker is probably the most unproven out of all these guys. Uh, and Washington. He just, yeah, yeah. Um, but Devontae Booker has a lot of hype going around him. Um, and, you know, C.J. Anderson is the guy there. But um, even even if C.J. Anderson doesn't get injured and he just underperforms, Devontae Booker could come in 
and, uh, and take a big role there. Um, some of the other backups, you know, I mean, of course, you know, you're talking, thinking about the Jets, you're thinking about Bilal Powell and Matt Forte. We don't really know what's going to go on there. I wouldn't really call either one of a, uh, I wouldn't really call either one of them a handcuff per se. Um, I think if one of them go down, the other one gets a huge boost. Uh, and of course, the Cowboys situation could be either McFadden or Morris, depending on who you read from. Uh, you're going to get different reports. Uh, if Elliott goes down, I think it's just going to be a timeshare. Um, but we'll see how that how that turns out. What do you guys think? Anybody else I didn't mention? Yeah, I'm liking uh, Chris Thompson a lot. Uh, Matt Jones last year, he's he's also being drafted pretty high. He last year's average was 3.4 yards a carry, and Chris Thompson last year had 6.9. I know the attempts were a lot less for Chris Thompson, but that that's a big difference right there. And I I don't believe in Matt Jones' town, like I said earlier. And I really like Chris Thompson. So that's one of the backups I'm looking at. I'm just looking at a running back that is bat was terrible last year. And there's a backup who has some talent. So Chris Thompson, someone I'm looking at for sure. Yeah. I mean, Dale, you hit, you hit it on the head. You listed off about eight or nine guys there for me. The ones that stand yeah. out are, you know, Jarek McKinnon, D'Angelo Williams, especially uh, Derek Henry, who's having a great preseason. And for me, you, you mentioned that you don't know what's going to happen in, in New York, but based on draft positioning, between Matt Forte and Bilal Powell, I would consider Bilal Powell as the as the as the quote unquote handcuff in that position. And last year he, right. he had about eight points per game. So if if he does have the opportunity to play a full you know the the take the number one role and not have to split work like what Matt Forte is going to have to do, then I can see Bilal Powell being one of those top fifteen running backs uh, going into the going into the season. Also, if, one more guy if, if, is... if Matt Forte goes down, obviously. Another guy I want to mention is Curtis Artis Payne. I know Jonathan Stewart doesn't have the best history, injury history. So Curtis Artis Payne is a really nice guy to look out for. Last year, he carried the load pretty well. He had a 4.1 average. So uh, he didn't carry the ball too much last year, but he is coming to the sophomore season. So there is potential there. If you're looking for a deep, deep sleeper that's a handcuff, Curtis Artis Payne is probably going to carry the load if Stewart goes down. Cool. Well, thanks again uh, from the throne. Um, like we got a couple emails here. Do you guys want to go through a couple here? Yeah. Um, just kind of knock, knock them off really quick, and then we'll get into some news. Sure. Yeah, sure. All right. I'll, I'll kind of shorten these. Um, crap. I didn't write down who they were from, but... Uh, the second one is from Shane. The first one we don't have a name for. Yeah, dang it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry who wrote this. Uh, I will definitely make it up to you soon. Um, but basically, he's asking... He's in a, a keeper league. Um, he already has A.J. Green, but he needs to choose from these guys in a PPR. He has Brandon Marshall, Brandon Cooks... Kelvin Benjamin, Demarius Thomas, Mark Ingram. I'll say that again. Brandon Marshall, Brandon Cooks, Kelvin Benjamin, Demarius Thomas, and Mark Ingram. This is PPR? Uh, I'm, PPR. Yep. Uh, I'll, I'll kind of lead it off and say, let's mark off Mark Ingram and Demarius Thomas right away. I, I think it's going to be between Marshall, Cooks, Benjamin. Wait, you're, uh, saying, you're, you're saying you'd rather keep Marshall over Demarius Thomas? Uh, well, okay, I'll just skip to the chase. It's going to be a race between Brandon Cooks and Kelvin Benjamin, right? Right. Yeah, for me, uh, yeah, for for me in that in that case, you know, if are you, it was wait, I, I was looking more between. Go ahead, go ahead, Armando. Wait, you guys are saying you'd mark off Demarius Thomas off that list? Well, look, he can keep one out of all those people that I named. It's going to be between Brandon Cooks and and Kelvin Benjamin, right? No. Why would you take off Demarius Thomas? Okay, so you're going to take Demarius Thomas over Brandon Cooks and over Kelvin Benjamin in a keeper league? Um, in a PPR keeper league, yes. Last oh, last year he had 105 receptions. The previous year he had 111. 
Okay, he's getting 184 targets, 176 targets. That's 2014, 2015. There's absolutely no reason why I would keep Kelvin Benjamin or Brandon Cooks over Demarius Thomas. He's gonna have uh, a better he, he's gonna have a better quarterback in Mark Sanchez, absolutely, over Peyton Manning last year, or whoever the other guys are. He's had over 1,600 yards in 2014, 1,300 yards in 2015, 1,400 dude, yards you, in 2012, 2013. There's no reason why I would Demarius Thomas over any of those any of those guys over okay. Demarius Thomas. You're you're contradicting yourself, and anybody who really follows the show is gonna pick this out really quick. But you always talk about who the quarterback is and how old they are, blah blah blah. Brandon Cooks has one of the best quarterbacks to ever live that has at least a handful of seasons left in him and Drew Brees. And then you have uh, Kelvin Benjamin, who probably has one of the best uh, quarterbacks right now in Cam Newton. Demarius Thomas He's, Cam Newton. Mark Sanchez, Mark, Cam Newton's Trevor val- Simeon might outplay Mark Sanchez by week two or three. Who knows? Okay. Um, you're, okay. Cam Newton's valley comes more in his legs than it, than it comes in his arms. So that, that, that does not give me anything with Kelvin Benjamin. You're missing the point on that one. And... Last year, Brandon Cooks had only 84 receptions. That's 30 less than Demaryius Thomas. So right now, I'll take Demaryius Thomas. If you're talking about a keeper league, Demaryius Thomas. Right. You're talking. You're, you're, you're talking about 800 league, yards. Cam Newton had 3,800 yards. I understand. Last year. Okay. I rather have Demaryius Thomas because he's going to have more receptions and he's going to have more yards. He's proven that four years straight. Last year, he didn't have a good quarterback. And he still and, now, and he still went over thirteen hundred yards, and he still over went over hundred receptions. Demarius Thomas is hands down the easiest guy you pick from there. So the you're easy, gonna pick uh, so 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 just to be clear, you're gonna pick the aging wide receiver who's twenty eight years old right now with the most questionable quarterback out of this bunch instead of Brandon Cooks, a twenty two year old who had eighty four catches last year, who should be old, who should be on pace to get over hundred receptions this year as well with a much superior quarterback. A Calvin Benjamin. A Kevin Benjamin has one season under his belt. Okay, no, I understand. I, I understand you. I understand taking Demarius Thomas over Calvin Benjamin because Demarius Thomas has the history. Calvin Benjamin doesn't. Now, right. the 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 conversation here would be between Brandon Cooks or Demarius Thomas in a keeper league. Okay, keeper league means you're keeping him for this year. If I'm going right. into this year, I would rather have Demarius. So you're Thomas. only playing he, for next year then. It, it doesn't matter. You could draft whoever you want this year in this new draft. I'd rather keep Demaryius Thomas because I know he's going to get over 100 receptions. I know he's going to get over 1,000 yards. You do realize you do, you do realize in Brandon, your, your okay, rankings. Wait, 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 last thing, last thing. Brandon Cooks, we're talking about Keeper League PPR. It's completely different from my rankings. Can't reflect that. Also, Brandon Cooks only had 1,100 yards last year. Okay? Even with that he shitty quarter. points. Okay. Even with... Even with Okay, we're, we're talking about PPR here, Dale. It's completely different. You're not listening. You're you're, you're missing the whole point. It's, it's PPR. There's twenty. There's twenty more points right there. You're giving to Demarius Thomas, and he had thirteen hundred yards. That's that's a lot of yards. Demarius that's Thomas tw- only had one point one points per game more last year in PPR than Brandon Cooks did. So he didn't have a much better season than okay, Brandon. Okay, we're Cooks talking did. about yards and receptions and touchdowns. All went to Demarius Thomas versus Brandon Cooks last year. And that's with Brandon Cooks having a far superior, like 20 times better. I don't even know. I Look it up right now. Give me one second. How much better Drew Brees was at Peyton Manning last year. Peyton Manning probably finished outside the top 20. Drew Brees was in top five. That, that's enough said. Okay. Well, I, I, I don't think we can argue this anymore with Armando because I don't think he's ever going to budge. But um, Well, he doesn't have to budge. You know, just yeah. that's his opinion. This is ours. It's perfectly fine. Yeah, that's why Armando just doesn't understand to keep uh, – he doesn't understand keeper leagues apparently. Uh I'm a champ, and you're not, Dale. So let's uh, move on on a keeper league. <laughs> yeah, for one year, and then you, you now. Who do you have as your keeper this year in our league? Aaron Rodgers, AJ Green, Greg Olson. 
and Melvin Gordon. That's pretty good. I'm happy with that. <laughs> I said Melvin Gordon. You got last. really quiet there. <laughs> All right, Dale. What's the right, let's, What's let's the other on. question? All right, the other question is from Shane. Uh, he is. I'm going to paraphrase here. Um, He's asking about Dion Lewis, uh, and where would we all draft James White now? Where, where does James White stand uh, with with the Dion Lewis news um, that we'll get to in a second? I think James White. I mean, I, I don't, I don't think he, I don't, I don't see him as being the the guy who's automatically going to be the number one on that roster. Legarrette Blunt, he he had a pretty good season last year. You know, while he was splitting time with Dion Lewis, and then obviously taking over the work after Deion Lewis went down. So I don't necessarily think that Deion Lewis being out for 8 to 10 weeks is automatically going to vault James White to being, you know, a top 24 running back. Uh, if you want to pick, if you want to take a flyer on him, I would consider him probably around the 11th or 12th round where I'm going for those home run type of guys. But for me, he doesn't climb all that much as well, as long as LeGarrette Blunt is still there. Yeah, I mean, it, it depends too. If you're in a PPR here and you find out, you know, at that time of your draft that, you know, uh, Deion Lewis is out until week nine, you know, they're saying it's possible that he'll be out eight weeks of regular season. If that's possible and he's out until week nine uh, and a PPR, I'm drafting him probably around the sixth round, uh, probably in like the DeMarco Murray to Melvin Gordon range um, in a PPR I'm talking about here. Okay. <laughs> uh, I think, I think that's pretty good value. So where did you say you would draft them then? Probably in, in the early sixth round. Wow. Uh, that's, just, like again, that's okay, really sorry. high. Wow. That's somewhere around eight games of. I mean, have you seen what James White has done last year? Wait, we're not saying eight games. Season? We're saying eight weeks. So there's two weeks right now. So he'll be back in six uh, by no, week six or no, seven. No, if if you listen to me earlier, reports are saying some reports are saying that he could be out for the first eight weeks of the regular season. Okay. So if if that that's why I said if that's the case, uh, I am I'm drafting him probably around the sixth round. Yeah, James but, White was great. James White, J- James White was was all right, and you know when it comes to <laughs> his his value is is on his reception game, his running game. Forget it. That's going to be Legarrette Blunt. They're, yeah, they're, they're pretty yeah, much going to be going to be splitting it completely. Legarrette Blunt's going to get the, the the majority of the rushes. James White's going to be coming in for the pass catching downs because yeah. that's 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 their game. Legarrette Blunt doesn't catch. James White doesn't run. You know, so yeah. so you're I mean, you're kind of you know, getting half of a running back there. Same with the yeah, I mean, after. I mean, after Deion Lewis left, I mean, White was getting anywhere between, you know, uh, I'll just look at his receptions here, 10 receptions, 7 receptions, 5, 4, then, you know, he had a couple 2s and a 5. Uh, he's valuable in PPR. Like I said, I think he can I think he could score just as many points in a PPR as Melvin Gordon can in the first couple weeks. Wow. That's really bold, Dale. That's so, where, so, okay, so, okay, so where, where would you draft James White then in a standard league? Me, personally, uh, I would draft him. I would draft him as like my third bench running back, wherever that puts him. I would. I wouldn't waste a draft pick on him right now. I, I don't. He's not worth it. I mean, if he's, you're only getting eight games, that's not enough for me to value him, especially with Deion Lewis coming back. I'd rather have Legarrette so, Blount easily. I, I so mean, you're looking around the ninth round, ninth or tenth round. I agree that, with Legarrette Blount over James White. Yeah, I mean, there, obviously, the James White does not affect the value of Legarrette Blount. But if I had to draft a running back, I would draft Legarrette Blount out of the backfield. Deion Lewis is not, in my opinion a draft-worthy running back for my Deion roster. Lewis or James White? James White. No, I'm not saying anything about Deion Lewis. I'm talking about James White. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right, we can move on. All right. That's that's pretty much that, it then I for that our... I your questions. Yeah, for our reader questions, right? 
All right, so let, let's go right. ahead and that that just about wraps it up there for the for the reader questions. Let's go ahead and go into our news and notes. News and notes. All right, so Carlos Williams was released from the Buffalo Bills a few days ago. He's uh, since been working out for the New York Jets. What kind of information do you have there for him, Dale? Yeah, I mean, like you said, he was cut from the Bills. Uh, they say lack of commitment. Apparently, he lost some weight and then he gained maybe a little bit of it back. He found and the it Bills again. weren't very impressed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, recently, he went on a friend's Twitter, though, and talked about some of his, his recent meeting with the Jets personnel. Uh, ESPN is reporting that the owner, Woody Johnson, wasn't at the meeting, uh, but he did, in fact, meet with the team. Uh, take a listen here. This is uh, from his friend's Twitter account. Past week, two days, came in first day, met with the GM, mm-hmm. uh, met with the player personnel, met with head of security, met with the owner. Um, talk good vibes. You know, asked me a lot of combine questions, obviously. I'm going to get on my background, on my people. Uh, you know, no offer yet, but... It was a good visit. Um, I worked out today, worked out early this morning. Good workout, caught a couple balls, ran a couple routes, uh, did some bad drills. Um, you know, I won't know what an offer is yet, but overall good visit. You know, I love the city of Jersey. I love New York, love being close to the city. Um, you know, I like to fly with the Jets, baby. All right, so what are you guys' reaction to that video and uh, to the Carlos Williams news in general? Well, Carlos Williams, in any team that allows him to go ahead and go into their training camp and practice with them and, you know, have a, have a workout with them, of course he's going to be happy to be there. And, of course, he's going to be happy to be part of that team because he's not part of any team right now. But for, yeah. but, but for me, the New York Jets, that's just going to confuse that the running back position even more. You already have yeah. Matt Forte there. You already have Bilal Powell there. If, if the Jets yeah. are the only team that, that, are, that are looking to work out Carlos Williams – then that kind of sucks. I'd rather see him. I'd rather see Carlos Williams go work out for, uh, you know, the Colts. Go work out for the Colts. Go or the Dolphins. Um, or the Dolphins. Go work out with the with the Miami Dolphins. See what goes on there. Go work out with, uh, you know, go work out the with Redskins. the go work out with the with the Redskins. Exactly. Matt Jones is out for the rest of the preseason. You know, so there there are more more much more favorable places that you know Carlos Williams can go ahead and be as far as from a fantasy perspective he's obviously looking to yeah. just be on part of any team he doesn't probably doesn't care about fantasy but for us if he goes to the Jets that's just going to confuse everything even more there yeah yeah I mean I don't I don't think uh I think we just keep an eye on him if he goes to a team that really needs a running back uh keep a close eye on him otherwise uh maybe somebody just you know he cleared waivers so people aren't clamoring to get him um there's a reason why the Jets didn't you know want to keep him uh and I imagine that the the same reason why nobody else jumped on him uh, during the waiver yeah. waiver period. So I wouldn't he's be surprised. A, he's got a few weeks to, to lose I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if he ends back on ends up back on the Bills after his four game suspension. I mean, they have a bunch of injury prone running backs over there, and Reggie Bush and Lashawn McCoy. It's true. It's true. But he's got he, he's got to show that he wants it. He can't he can't be two hundred and sixty plus pounds, you know, and go back to the Bills, which they cut him for that exact reason. You know, it was, it was a performance and a physicality purpose. He was down two thirty when they uh, when he when they cut him. He was he lost quite a bit of weight. No, no. Well, right. well, I don't know about that because the, the report said that he, he was listed at about two thirty, but he was actually about two sixty. So I don't know which one to believe. <laughs> All right. So, it's also moving on. Fleener, Rich. <laughs> moving on. Kobe Fleener, uh, according to Coach Sean Payton, he was quoted as saying, <clears throat> "It's an ongoing progression with Kobe Fleener." He says that there's some plays that are real good with Kobe Fleener, and then there's some plays that you know he's, he's got to be a little more detailed. And that's something that he says that he knows he's got to work on. Um, you know, he was also quoted at Champagne was also quoted as saying, you know, it's still a work in progress. There have been some good signs. And then there are some things that jump out of you like, hey, we got to clean that up. 
you know, I, I wouldn't take this, you know, too, you know, I, I wouldn't get too extreme with this. I wouldn't be too worried about it. Kobe Fleener was brought in there to be the guy. The Saints, they keep their tight ends so involved. I think they were number two in tight end targets over the last, like, 10 years. So, Kobe Fleener is going to get plenty of work. I still see him being a top six tight end. I wouldn't be too worried about this report. Well, yeah, it's it's just kind of it's kind of weird though, right? I mean, like, what's the purpose of saying publicly that your players are work in progress? You know, I mean, like, is it a motivation factor, or is it you know, is it really true? Is he really just a quote unquote work in practice and uh, progress? I mean, that'll that'll kind of damage you know if you're if you're kind of weak minded with uh, you know the criticism that could that could damage your. Um, yeah, you know your drive there, right? I just want to say one thing. But I don't know. I mean, they're all professionals, so whatever. I, from my understanding, tight end is one of the hardest positions to pick up when you come into a new offense. So that, I mean, that that could be reflective of that. He is coming to a new offense with a new quarterback. You know, he played with you know Andrew Luck for how many years since college? That's a long fucking time. So that that could be true. I don't know, but that's something to be, keep an eye on for sure. He does. He does. He drops like a spotter for me for sure, at least. Yeah. What, Rich? What do you have on uh, on the Dolphins? On the Dolphins, well, tonight we're going to see a little more playing time out of Arian Foster, which to me is a great thing. Adam Gay says he wants to, he wants to take a good, hard look at Arian Foster this week. Uh, by the way, happy 30th birthday to Arian Foster yesterday. On the you know thir- Yesterday, Wednesday, he turned dun, 30 dun, years dun. old, right? Dun. So that's it. Death Any sentence. hope for Arian Foster has been thrown out the window as of yesterday. He's 30 <laughs> years old. Uh, you know, I don't want him. I don't dra- I'm not going to draft him. I don't want him. I'm just kidding. I was just imitating Armando, uh, but he, uh, Arian Foster didn't. He didn't play any in Week One, and he only had two rushes in Week Two, which they were terrible rushes at that. I think he had two rushes for what negative five yards. So you know, Adam Gase and the yeah. Dolphins—they want to see exactly just how much of the Pro Bowl version of Arian Foster is left in the tank. We, and we are we are reco- we are recording right before the third preseason yep. game. Uh, so if you're listening to this, uh, a good chance that you already know how he did. So, uh, yeah, you'll yep. be yelling at the radio right now. <laughs> yeah, uh, about an hour after this, I'm we're gonna go ahead He's and cut. put the TV on. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Tomorrow morning, before everybody listens, Arian Foster has been cut. I do uh, want to say that Arian Foster is my my most favorite running back, favorite player in the NFL. So I don't, I I do want on my roster. I do love him, but not as a, a sixth player off the board or the number in the sixth round. What the hell That's is that background noise? It's, is somebody like sawing in the yeah. background there? Among <laughs> yeah, someone's working on their boat, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, for me, I hope I hope that Arian Foster gets you know at least twelve to fourteen touches tonight. Let's see what he can do. Give him some rushes. Throw some passes to him. Let's see what kind of version of Arian Foster we're going to be looking at, and you know we'll we'll go from there. Uh, what do you have on on, right, on Matt Jones there, Armando? Your your boy Matt Jones. Um, so the Redskins are holding Matt Jones out for the rest of the preseason. It's not a serious injury. He should be back by the start of the season. They're saying he's progressing just fine. He feels great. Just a precautionary thing. He does have an injury history, so nothing wrong with holding him out. Um, but the guy that's going to be getting all the carries is Rob Kelly, not Chris Thompson, who I've been preaching all preseason. But just something to keep an eye on, see how Rob Kelly performs, and you know, watch Chris Thompson closely. So see what happens out there. Cool. All right. All right, so Josh Gordon, um, there have been some trade rumors circulating over there. You know, people are asking about him. The Cleveland Browns came out today saying that they see him as a weapon and he's untradeable. 
which I completely agree with. There's no reason why they would trade him. He's his value so low right now, but it could get lower. He could be completely useless. So who knows? Um, but yeah, I'm I'm glad they're not yeah, they're trading, not trading him. him. They shouldn't. He could be amazing, but he could be absolutely Man, trash. So who can knows? You, can you imagine? Can you imagine Josh Gordon on the New England Patriots or the Carolina Panthers or even the Dallas Cowboys? How much better he could be if he was on one of those teams? Yeah. Hey, we'll see how RG three does. You never know. All right, uh, so Gronk uh, finally returned to practice uh, this week after a minor minor injury uh, last Monday. Um, they did call it minor, and it seemed like it because he should be available during the preseason week three game uh, for probably a couple quarters, maybe hopefully three quarters. Um, with him on the field, it just provides Garoppolo just a little more insurance out there. Uh, should keep the, you know, the offense on pace as much as possible. Uh, again, this is great for Gronk owners. And uh, just as good for uh, Garoppolo starting the season with uh, with that big target there. Um, there's really no not really huge news. Just let's see how he plays. Let's see how him and Garoppolo play together. Um, it, it should it should be pretty pretty easy to for Garoppolo to dump down to to Gronk there in the middle of the field. I'd be able to dump it down to Gronk down the field. <laughs> I'd feel pretty good about my chances as a quarterback if I had Gronk on my team. You could just punt it, punt it down the field, and he'll he'll get it. Yeah. Uh, moving on, then, Pete Carroll said that Thomas Rawls looks pretty damn good. Well, he didn't say pretty damn good. I'm saying pretty damn good. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Pete Carroll said, Tom, you know, Thomas Rawls looks really good. Uh, he says, you know, all I can tell you is he looks great. I've got no hesitation to tell you he's going to play in the season opener. I have no hesitation in saying that. But, of course, Pete Carroll's well, going to say that. Yeah. You know, he's he's already – Thomas Rawls has already been ruled out for tonight's game against the Cowboys. Uh, but, for what it's worth, he has been in every practice since Sunday – so we'll just have to wait and see until next week to see if Frost actually gets any kind of game time before the regular season opener or if the Seahawks are just going to hold him out completely. Uh, I still I still have hope for Thomas Rawls. I still see him as a top 16 running back. And if fully healthy, I see him as a top 12, maybe even top 10. Moving on then to Tennessee Titans camp, Derrick Henry, he's supposed to be getting a, a little bit more work. So, you know, the, the coaches say they, they want to get him more involved which I agree with. He's looked pretty damn good this preseason. The first two weeks, he's had 15 rushes for 105 yards. So he's rushing for about seven yards per carry. Uh, you know, Don't put too much stock into that. Again, it is the preseason. But if you, if you look at the way he's running, he's breaking tackles, he's zigzagging, he's making his way through the line. So he has been playing pretty damn good. But exactly how much work Derrick Henry's going to get, we'll have to wait and see until the actual season starts. For me, it's, it's still going to be DeMarco Murray show there. Uh, he's going to get probably 70% of the work and then 30% for Derrick Henry, which still gives him some fantasy value if you need to plug somebody in. But it's still going to be DeMarco Murray, obviously. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, the last news, we're, oh, the last two things we're going to talk about is Josh Brown. He exited uh, practice last Who? week or yesterday. Who? Jo- Josh Brown? John Brown. I don't know. <laughs> it's the waves. My boat's rocking. I'm not. Um, so Josh Brown exited. John um, Brown. God damn it, John. So John Brown exited yesterday with headaches. He's back in practice today. Um, that's something to keep track of. If he if concussion keeps uh, the concussion, if he keeps getting headaches, then there's something to worry about. But he's back in practice. So it's just moderate him throughout the seasons, throughout the preseason, see what happens. And the last thing is Trevor Simeon has been announced according to John John Leg Legwold that he is a starter. Trevor Simeon is a starter for the Broncos. That's the last piece of news I got for you guys. Does that affect your decision at all? You said earlier about wanting to take Demarius Thomas over Brandon Cooks in a keeper league. No, I think if if Peyton Manning can succeed with Demarius Thomas, if Demarius Thomas, if Demarius Thomas can succeed with Peyton Manning, then 
I think he can succeed with anyone. Demaryius Thomas is quarterback proof. All right. Last year, Peyton Manning was probably one of the worst running back quarterbacks in the NFL. That is, he was awful. <laughs> I think he got like five yards, but he was awful. So I think that's just, you know, that says something. If he can still get 1,300 yards with uh, Peyton Manning, I think he can get 1,300 yards with just about anybody. All right. Fair enough. All right. Well, on that note, let's get right into uh, the Matt Harmon interview. Uh, awesome interview that Christian and I did uh, yesterday. Uh, let's just jump right into it. Uh, take a listen. All right. So joining us now, we have Matt Harmon. He is uh, the creator of Reception Perception, which if you're not checking out, you need to go do. He's also a writer and editor for NFL.com. Um, you can hear him on his Backyard Banter podcast. Uh, I believe you're still contributing to uh, Football Guys as well, right, Harmon? How you doing tonight? I'm doing fantastic, and yeah, I still uh, contribute every now and again to Football Guys whenever I can. You know, even though I made the move last year to uh, to NFL.com, I still I still got a lot of love for Football Guys, and will stay there as long as uh, as long as the league lets me. Yeah, I mean, you're everywhere, and um, definitely for all of our listeners, you can follow him at Matt Harmon underscore BYB for you know the backyard banter. Um, great follow on Twitter, especially if you want to check out his reception perception stuff. Um, before we get into any of the fantasy related stuff, you have a very interesting article that you wrote, very personal that you have t- uh, pinned to your Twitter profile talking about, you know, your your struggles with your weight and your, you know, the path that you've taken for weight loss and how you've kind of gone through that. Um, I mean, in this country and, and probably a lot of our listeners, myself included, um, have that same issue with, you know, <laughs> struggling with weight and weight loss. I know this is a fantasy football podcast, but for me, I think this is, you know, something that is very interesting. Can you tell us a little bit about what you went through and, and how you, how you've, the path that you've come across. Yeah. So the story's on the backyardbanter.com. It's, it's on the homepage. there, still in a separate section. And it's, uh, it's also, as you mentioned, my pin tweet. Uh, so if anybody wants to check that out, I, I encourage you, especially if you're kind of going through that whole the struggle with weight, you know, it was something that was pretty present throughout my entire life. Uh, as a child, I, I, you know, was consistently eating unhealthily. I wasn't very active and, you know, my mom really was always the one that, that kind of, you know, she was never going to be the type of person that was that was super restrictive or anything or made me do things. But, you know, she was always uh, always trying to encourage me to go the opposite direction. But just, you know, quite frankly, I just didn't care. I loved to eat. And I, I was probably, I would say, hiding a lot of insecurities and stuff beyond uh, behind behind weight and eating and everything, and I packed up a lot of a lot of poundage there, and I was about 315 pounds of my heaviest my junior year of college, and you know then I just kind of had like a little bit of a minor epiphany, it was like oh my god, when you three like especially when you you guys know this being football fans like you see that 300 pounds on the scale, you're like oh my god, that's what an offensive lineman weighs, and uh, I'm like I'm not an offensive lineman, I am a, I am a normal person. <laughs> Right. Uh, so I should not, I should not, I should not weigh that much. So that was kind of a minor moment. I was just, and I, so I started just changing some minor things about my lifestyle and I got down to about 280 pounds, but then I, I graduated college and hit this really just dark moment in my life. I was suffering with depression and, and a lot of other terrible things just going on and didn't, didn't really handle it well, packed back on the weight and, uh, you know, was, was doing a lot of other things. It was not really good for me. And then I, I, 
I think at one point, just when I finally, you know, sought help and uh, actually started blogging about football and, and fantasy and, you know, started backyard banter and, you know, eventually started the process that led me to reception perception and pretty much everything that I'm doing now, that was the moment where I was like, you know, life is really worth living. <laughs> and I'd actually like to live it to its fullest extent. And that's when I decided to start losing weight and, you know, really just changed my lifestyle completely. Uh, you know, went from, you know, eating a eating like two sandwiches a day, like chicken wings for lunch and a burger for dinner, you know, crazy stuff like that, you know, binge drinking and everything and just completely, uh, completely changed, uh, cut out carbs and sugar for a long, for almost about a six month period. And you know, I got down to about 260 and, and then just kept losing weight. When, well, like once you hit, you got to hit like a milestone, I feel like, like that 260 moment for me was like, wow, I have not weighed this. I have not weighed this, this little, since like middle school, you know, it's just shocking to think about being a, a 22 year old quote unquote adult. Right. And uh, right. being like, I haven't weighed this much since middle school. And, and really like when I had to hit that milestone, then I just kept going. And now I weigh, I weigh 212 pounds now. And so that's a, it's a pretty huge change. And, and it was something that, like I said, it's a long story. I won't take up all your listeners time telling it and everything, but you know, it's something that I feel really passionate about because it's a change like that. I never thought I could make. So that's my message to a lot of people is like, if the person that I was could do this, anybody can do it. Right. Yeah, it's, it's a great story. I, like Christian said, it's, it's really uh, inspiring, really, really good, uh, well-written. Um, and we, we appreciate you sharing your story, Matt, because, um, you know, not a lot of people, or a lot of people are going through it, but not a lot of people are writing about it. So, uh, yeah, if, if you guys uh, definitely go check out his story, it's, it's, uh, it's an awesome story. Yeah, man, that's... <laughs> That uh, definitely hits home, and and I really appreciate yeah someone taking their their time to write about something that I'm sure was not the easiest thing for you to write about. Um, now let let's talk about something. Let's make a very awkward transition from that into football. <laughs> <laughs> there is As, no there is no easy transition. That so how is, about those that, you know, you... Well, there is an easy transition. Like we could have <laughs> talked about Eddie Lacy or something, but uh... well, that's so. <laughs> But let's Talk get about into... personal changes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I, I do want to talk about a guy that you wrote about. You did a reception perception column about him. Um, we saw the way that you brought up Allen Robinson last year, and I kind of am hopeful that this article um, sheds the sim- a similar light on him. Uh, for all of our listeners, we've been talking about him throughout our off season, and that's Tyler Lockett. But we want to get a little bit of your viewpoint on Tyler Lockett and what you expect for him for the 2016 season. Yeah, so uh, in terms of his reception perception, it was absolutely fantastic. His 76.6% success rate versus man coverage, which for your listeners that aren't familiar with reception perception, uh, it's a series that it, it features a methodology that's unique that evaluates the wide receiver position. It evaluates them on a route-to-route basis. It charts, I chart every single route that they run over an eight-game sample size, how often they get open against man coverage, zone coverage, press coverage, how often they run each particular route on the route tree, and how successful they are at creating separation on those routes. So it's really the only methodology out there that kind of quantifies that thing that you hear all the time, like, well, this guy's a good route, <clears throat> this guy's a good route runner. He, he gets consistent separation. Perception, perception actually puts a hard data point to that. So, when I say that Lockett's 76.6% success rate versus man coverage was impressive, it was so impressive that it's the second best score I have for rookie receivers since Odell Beckham in 2014. So, you know, that clearly puts him in some rarefied air. We've had a lot of good 
young receivers in the game recently, and Lockett scored as one of the best at creating separation across the route tree, whether it was getting open on a short slant and curl routes or on the vertical routes. He's got to get open at all areas of the field. Really dangerous. That We saw the big plays that came last year, and I think there's only more of those to come. But, you know, when you talk about his outlook for fantasy in terms of what Allen Robinson was in 2015, I think the biggest difference is just how much opportunity is going to be there. Uh, we know that Seattle's been historically a run-first team under Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson. Uh, and that will probably be – they'll probably still be a run-centered team, but I think they'll be more pass-oriented. Not necessarily – uh, a team that's going to be in the top 10 in pass attempts. They weren't even that way when Russell Wilson was on his torrid stretch of last year. But if you look at how quickly that Seattle got the ball out of Russell Wilson's hands in the second half of the year, and I think that's the most important statistic to put behind these guys because, you know, they weren't necessarily throwing the ball more, only about two more attempts per game on average. But what they were doing was getting the ball out of Wilson's hands quicker behind that leaky offensive line. And that's where you saw a guy like Doug Baldwin who creates some of that similar separation on short routes. He scored a ton of touchdowns. He made a ton of big plays after the catch. I think Lockett can start to take some of that load, too. And he's a more talented player than Doug Baldwin. I think before long he'll be this team's best receiver. And starting this year, he might not be a guy that you know scores as a wide receiver one or a wide receiver two in fantasy, but I think this is going to be the year that he begins that upward trajectory. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, we, we saw that change last year. Not necessarily a huge change, like you mentioned, in terms of pass attempts for the Seahawks. But the biggest key to me was that switch in Russell Wilson to moving from seven and five step drops to three step drops, quick releases, um, quick passes. So for this season, if you had to take one of the two main wide receivers in Seattle, would it be Doug Baldwin or would it be Tyler Lockett? Well, while I don't hate Baldwin's price as like a you know late fourth, early fifth round pick, because one thing that always frustrates me in fantasy analysis is you hear people say, "Well, you know, Baldwin's not going to do what he did last year, so you need to avoid him." But it's like, oh, of course, we all know that. That's why he's a fourth round pick, not a first round pick. We know he's not going to score fourteen touchdowns again. So I think Baldwin is pretty fairly priced. But at the same time, because I think this duo will probably score pretty similarly. I'm just going to take the guy that I think is, one, more physically gifted on more of an upward trajectory, and he's also cheaper. And that's Tyler Lockett as, you know, a, a sixth, seventh-round pick in current ADP. I'm going to take him over Baldwin. Okay. Perfect. Uh, I guess just keeping up with the wide receiver talk here, uh, Christian in particular was talking about Marvin Jones probably two months ago, I think, back in June. Uh, you know, we had a lot of debates about Marvin Jones, and, of course, he moved up the depth chart uh, in Detroit. Uh, what do you make out of the wide receiver um, wide receiver situation in Detroit? Is is Marvin Jones now going to be, I guess, over uh, overvalued now, or uh, what do you think about him? Well, I, I just don't think there's any way he can be overvalued because he has not been able to as much hype as I've tried to throw on him, as some of the yeah. Detroit media has tried to throw on him, as JJ Zacharyson's done a great job of of throwing some hype on him as well for for good reason. He just doesn't seem to be able to crack the top 30 in wide receiver ADP. For a long time, he was down there as like wide receiver 40 as a yeah. ninth-round pick. And, yeah, you know, to me, that, that average draft position just made no sense, especially when you saw Golden Tate going in like the late third sometimes, even, the you know, more, maybe sort of the fourth round. Like right now, current ADP has Golden Tate, you know, as, a, as an early fifth-round pick, 5.01 wide receiver 23, 
And then, you know, even though the gap has started to close, Marvin Jones is down there at wide receiver 40, 34 and is a mid-seventh round pick. That's a huge gap to me, and, and I just don't think it's deserved. I think pretty much throughout the offseason, the Detroit media has been in, in pretty good lockstep about saying, like, these guys are, are a 1A, 1B situation, and some writers have even said that Jones could be the outright number one. And even if that doesn't happen, he's still evaluated. He's still evaluated as ADP. So under Matthew Stafford behind center, Detroit has ranked 6th, 3rd, 1st, 1st, 5th, 11th, and 4th in pass attempts while he's been in the NFL. You know, they are a pass-oriented team regardless of the coaching staff. Yep. And so that volume that Jones is going to have, even if he's not great, I mean, he's going to cry. Like, there's no way Jones is going to see less than 120 targets. You know, Calvin Johnson's leaving 140 behind just on his own. So I, I think the Tate, uh, I think the Tate and Jones are both good players, but Jones is a guy that runs in reception perception. He ran a ton of vertical routes for Cincinnati because that's what they needed out of him. But you know, the, that offense in the second half of the year under Jim Bob Cooter really scaled back Matthew Stafford in terms of throwing the ball downfield. He averaged 6.7 average depth of per aim throw the per pro, pro football focus. That was the lowest of any starting quarterback during that stretch. Wow. And Jones is most successful on flats, curls, slants, and reception perception. Those are those routes that he's going to be running a lot with Stafford in Detroit. So, I mean, there's no – like, to me, he's one of the most clear breakout players uh, this season, and, and it's still evaluated as ADP. Thank you. Thank you, Matt Harmon, so much for <laughs> validating everything that I've been saying for the last two and a half months because the guys on my show do not want to listen to what I've been saying. I've been doing this exact – like I feel like I'm a preacher standing on a street corner like draft Marvin Jones like – you know. <laughs> I've been doing that all off season. I mean, he's the guy that I, I kind of planted my flag on because I did not understand the value of Golden Tate going so outlandishly higher. Um, that gap is certainly closed, like you alluded to. Tate's fallen a little bit, so he's like you mentioned, he's wide receiver twenty four now. Marvin Jones has climbed up to wide receiver thirty five, and I definitely deserve think he deserves being you know wide receiver thirty ish around that range. You know, if he finishes the number one wide receiver in in, in Detroit, that wouldn't that wouldn't surprise me at all. So um, exactly what I needed to hear. <laughs> yeah. Happy to be here to validate a piece. That's what I'm here to do. <laughs> All right, so we gotta we gotta talk to you about a point that maybe uh, we disagree on a little bit, and it's a point of uh, contention, perhaps, with you and, and a lot of people, and that's about uh, Todd Gurley. Um, you've got him. You wrote an article about him. Why you have him outside of your top five amongst running backs? Uh, why he's not worthy of being, in your opinion, a, a first round pick? Tell us why you're low on Todd Gurley. So I said he's not a top five overall pick. I actually have him as a running back five. Uh, okay. If Le'Veon Bell was Sorry. suspended, he would he would obviously be ahead of Gurley. But I think he's still a top five running back. But he's not a top five pick in in, in fantasy drafts to me because you know if you look back over the recent years, especially with the NFL, every single year pass attempts go up in the NFL. This is a passing league. Your know, times have changed in the NFL and they've changed drastically. And if you just go back and look at players since 2000 top five running backs since 2009 the vast majority of them have been attached to good offenses and good quarterbacks and Gurley, i don't think you can make the case at all is attached to either one whether they start jared goff at some point this season and if you've been paying attention to this offseason we know that goff does not look at all ready so they're likely going to start case keenum again this season and 
I like Keenum as a guy that can get you through a couple games, but at the same time, I don't think he's the type of player that's going to elevate uh, a running back. And so if you just think that, and, and, you know, I really just want people to think about this instead of saying, well, Gurley is a good, because I mean, I'm not arguing that he's a great player. He is, or that he's not a great player because he is a tremendous running back. And that is apparent to anybody with eyeballs, but running back is the most situation and opportunity driven position in fantasy football. 42.9% of the top five running backs that have played or since 2009 played with a top 10 DVOA ranked offense. For, and then that's 31.4% played with a, an offense that ranked 11th to 17th. I don't think the Rams are going to be that good of an offense. You know, so Gurley has to essentially beat all the statistical odds in terms of playing in a good offense and playing with a good quarterback in order to be a top five or in order to be a top five overall pick. And that's not to mention the concerns about his workload in the passing game. He only saw 26 targets as a rookie, thirty-two, just over 30 pace season long if he'd played 16 games. That's not enough. You, know, you need about 40 targets a year to, to give you a, a safe weekly floor. And while I think Gurley could still finish within the top five of running backs, I think the, he could be a super volatile asset week to week. And everybody talks about wanting a safe first-round pick, and I think they see a running back that is going to get over, probably going to get over 300 carries and think that he's a safe bet. But you got to look at how those numbers are going to come from a week to week perspective because it's all about winning weeks in fantasy football. And, you know, if you remember, even last year, there was a stretch of games where Gurley was essentially unusable, averaged under, under five fantasy points per game last year because, again, he played in an offense that is just easily constricted, easily defended, and he doesn't have that role in the passing game to give him that safe floor. So I love Todd Gurley's talent his long-term outlook, but this year I'm not spending that kind of draft capital to have him on my team. You know, um, you mentioned, you know, his lack of involvement in the past game. That's that's kind of one of the reasons why I love these pass-catching running backs, even in standard leagues, because it adds a floor to their value that necessarily, got, you know, guys like, like Gurley or Peterson might not have. Do you think it's something that he can develop into – it's always something that's interesting to me, you know, these these running backs that don't necessarily have that part of their game coming into the NFL. Is that something that he can learn and come into the NFL and learn in his second year, his third year, to become a better pass-catching back? Well, it's just so weird that they didn't use him more in the passing game last year, and perhaps that is something that changes this year. I'm not, you know, you can't really rule that out, because Gurley was a strong receiver in college. He averaged 9.5 yards per catch on 65 catches in college. So it's not that he's a guy that's a bad receiver. In fact, he caught 21 of the 26 targets that they threw at him last year. So, you know, in limited looks, he, he, he appears to be a good receiver. But, you know, maybe it's the fact that Benny Cunningham has just been there a long time, that he's ultra solid. But he's a guy that they brought back, and he was fifth in the NFL in, in snap percentage on his team's third down play. So, this is a guy that clearly value in that sort of role. And, and if they continue to play Cunningham over Gurley in those passing down and third down situations, that's just, he's just not going to have that floor. So I certainly think that Gurley couldn't be a, a receiver, but I also don't like to make big assumptions with my top five picks in fantasy. And I think that among all the other candidates that you have out there, in terms of just his outlook, not his ability, you have to make a big leap to say that, oh, of course the Rams will get Todd Gurley more in the pa- involved in the passing game. I, I don't have that kind of confidence at all. Yeah. Um, just I, I, I do want to point out, instead of ignoring it, uh, that was Major the dog barking in the background. That's uh, Christian's dog. 
Um, uh, Matt, Matt Harmon's a dog guy. Come on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, totally understand dog barking. You yeah, don't we, have to. You don't have to tell me about that. We we might be uh, the the uh, the one podcast that allows dog barking in in our episodes. So uh, you had the treat of listening to Major there. <laughs> um, yeah, perfect. He's a so, he's a great Dane puppy. He's going to be on the podcast. <laughs> um, so when I was kind of looking through some of your stuff earlier today, I was looking through a mock draft that you re- uh, recently did on NFL.com uh, where you had the sixth pick in a standard league, uh, standard scoring league. Um, I was kind of glancing over everything, looking for maybe a nugget that we could talk about. And it didn't take me long because uh, I noticed that you picked uh, Allen Robinson in the first round uh, over players like AJ Green, uh, of course, Todd Gurley, we just talked about and Adrian Peterson. Uh, you want to talk to us a little bit about that? Do you expect uh, the same or maybe better output from Allen Robinson this year as you did last year? Well, I, cer- I certainly think it's going to be hard for him to score 14 touchdowns again. You know, that's not that's not groundbreaking analysis. It's just difficult to get into the end zone that many times, especially considering how often he was targeted inside the red zone, inside the 10-yard line. He's one of the NFL leaders in that, in that category. Now, however, one thing we'll just – start with this off the top, and this is another reason I think to fade Todd Gurley and a lot of other running backs in the first round. Wide receiver is the most important position in fantasy football. If you just look at the data from the last couple of years, running backs are trending down in terms of overall fantasy scoring and week-to-week fantasy scoring. That is an indisputable fact, and anybody that is arguing against it just isn't paying attention. And wide receivers, on, my, on the other hand, are trending upwards in terms of overall scoring and week-to-week consistency. This is something that is, is, is changing in the NFL. As I mentioned, pass attempts go up every year. That's only natural that the wide receivers are just going to be inflated as well. You know, so that, that I think is, it is so important to hit on early wide receivers because you want to, the, the objective is to score the most points in fantasy, right? And you would probably want to attach yourself to the position in terms of running backs and receivers, that scores more points and is less fragile overall. So to me, I'm going to go wide receiver in the first round unless it is a situation where all where all my top five guys, which are the big three, of course, A.J. Green and, and Allen Robinson are off the board. Then I think about a guy like David Johnson or Ezekiel Elliott. But nevertheless, Allen Robinson there is six to me. I, I'll be honest with you guys. This is, you know, something that just every now and again you like to switch it up. I have taken A.J. Green when he's available there pretty much every time this offseason, and this was finally a time where I was like, you know what, I'm tired of taking A.J. Green. <laughs> yeah. And Alan Robinson is my boy. You know, I mean, that's the guy that I, I originally attached myself to with perception, perception, and we got a chance to meet him in person. So, hey, I'm just going to do that for, you know, for to mix it up a little. So there's obviously a little bit of that there. But, yeah. but however, one thing that I think, uh, one thing that I think that we cannot discount is this whole idea that Allen Robinson is going to suffer from regression this offseason. I feel like regression is the fantasy community's favorite new word. Uh, it's almost like we, we just learned it this offseason, so we've got to use it all over the place. Uh, while I do think, <laughs> while I do think there are several players in the Jacksonville offense that could take a little bit of a step back. This year, if they become more run-heavy, if the, team, if the team overall gets better, if the defense gets better, you know, I don't think that affects players like Allen Robinson. Robinson is a complete and total stud. At 22 years old, he was tearing up the NFL at a pace that only historically great wide receivers have done. You know, in terms of his reception perception, he improved from his stellar rookie year to his amazing sophomore year in terms of success rate versus man coverage, press coverage, winning contested catches, and winning on vertical routes. He's a guy that's only getting better, and that's the drumbeat that's come out of training camp and the preseason, too. I mean, this guy can't help but make splash plays in the preseason even when these games don't count. 
So I don't think that, you know, of course they brought in Chris Ivory, who's a solid running back. To his credit, of course, I do think they want to be a little bit more run-oriented, but their best players are in the passing game, and and coaching staff just don't take away from their best players just for the sake of it. You know, the game, their objective in football is also to score points, and I think the best way the Jaguars have a chance to do that is with Allen Robinson. So I think he's no question a first-round pick, top top seven pick for sure. So he's the guy that if you're if you're in the right situation, I, I think it's a toss-up there between he and AJ Green. Yeah, fair enough. He's a guy that I've definitely moved up because early in the offseason, again, I like that 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 famous word that you just alluded to, regression. I expected that touchdown regression, but looking at it a little bit more, I don't see any reason why he can't have a lot more than 80 catches like he did last year. Um, he's probably going to be featured even more in that offense than he was last year. So those catch numbers I expect to go up, even if the touchdown numbers go down. Yeah, yeah I, I, I agree with you. You know, And that's something that, you know, humble brag alert, but, you know, when I, when I sat down and interviewed him, that was one thing he mentioned that, you know, he knows he's getting 150 targets, you know, just like he did last year. The goal is to be more efficient, to, to bump that catch rate up, to, uh, you know, maybe run some more shallow routes and be a more consistent producer and move the chain. So, you know, that's something that I think the entire team knows. And, you know, the big point with regression is that everybody's like, well, he, they're going to regress to the mean, but for players like Allen Robinson and even, you know, to, to talk at the outside the other side of my mouth with Todd Gurley, we don't know where these young players' means are, you know, especially these ones that are producing at historic rates for their age. You know, so Allen Robinson, we don't know what he's, what he's going to regress to because we don't know that mean yet because we have not seen him at, at, the, at the height of his powers yet. All right, before before we let you go, Harmon, Dale's got a little question for you. We ask this question to, to uh, pretty much everybody that comes on our show, and like I've I've mentioned before, two guys have gotten it correct. <laughs> yeah. What what I deem the correct answer so far. So that was uh, John Paulson in in our last episode, and Sigmund Bloom, I think, have given the what I deem to be the correct answer. Well, but well, Dale but, says there's no correct answer. There's no correct answer. You're putting <laughs> pressure on people. Uh, that, that should, there shouldn't be any pressure because there's really no right answer. All right, so, so I'm definitely I'm stressed. I'm stressing now, so look, like, uh, I'm the focus here. <laughs> okay, yeah, focus. Dale has this, this is a tough one. Somebody Dale has a mentality of somebody that like would give a participation ribbon to people oh, just okay. for participating, and I'm not about that. You're you're either first or you're last. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh boy, we. But I I will tell you just a side note here: the participation trophy argument, man. I I I retweeted about the participation trophy thing, and in, in uh, I think it was about May. And I was like, oh, my God, I didn't realize this was such a hotbed issue. I was, I was like, I had to sign off, sign off Twitter. There was such a huge debate about the participation trophy. But sorry, I'm off topic. Continue, continue. Uh, no, this is just as off topic as anything That's else that exactly. we're going to talk about. Yeah. All right. So you go to a, uh, let's say, a medium-grade restaurant, right? Nothing too fancy, but, you know, we're not talking about, you know, the hole-in-the-wall joint, you know, down the street from your house. Um, so you go into the restaurant, and you order a steak medium. And it comes out medium well. Uh, well done, well done. Uh, I'm is- sorry, well done. Yeah, see, I screwed it up already. You ask for it medium, and it comes out well done. How do you respond? Oh, man, uh, this is a really conflicting point for me because I think steak well done is terrible. I mean, that's that's it's not steak. You're, you've ruined steak. Agreed. We, we can all agree on that. Right. So we can all agree on that. But the, I am just so non-confrontational, especially at restaurants and stuff like that. Like, my mom... God bless her. I, I love her more than than uh, 
than anybody loves their mom. Like, don't debate me. Don't at me. Of course, I love my mother more than everybody. Uh, but like, she, she, she was, especially when I was younger, she would always embarrass the hell out of us by like complaining at restaurants. And she doesn't do it anymore. But like back, to, and that's such a turn off to me that like I, I, you could basically like I can you guys see like visibly spit my food and be like this is fine. No, I'm not, I, I'm not gonna send it back. It's fine. I'll just deal with it or I'll just I'll just won't eat it. You know. But but I do think like honestly that is that might be a tipping point. I think you gotta I think you gotta say something like it's such a it's such a big mess up from medium to to well done. So I think I would probably have to say something. Yeah, yeah. Where where obviously you, 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 you gotta back. say you gotta say something, right? I mean, you can't just let it go. Uh, we've had guests that say you you know, they'll just suck it just up and let, eat it. You, no, yeah, you can't just let life. Uh, you can't let life dictate the terms to you either. You got to take. You got to take control of your own existence. You know that's uh, that's the, that's the pow- empowerment of, of being at a restaurant, like about the customer, right? So I think you got to say something. Yeah, there you go. Yep. There you go. Pretty pretty good answer there. Yeah. The <laughs> the way that I I would approach it is I'm going to be very nice. I'm going to say it as nice as possible, but I'm getting a different steak. <laughs> All right. You know what else would be a key variable too? You know what else would be a key variable too is it how busy they were because that also increases like how bad I feel about it and also like, you know, because if they're so busy, I'm like, oh, well, you know, they're busy. I feel bad they're like being annoying or whatever. And two, like if they're so busy, they're going to have to make me a whole other steak. I might just, you know, say forget it and like go to the taco truck or something here in, in Southern California. So, you know, there's always that variable too. Matt Harmon is clearly a fantasy analyst because he's like, there's 17 variables. I don't know the route tree that the waitress has been running. Like, <laughs> so, um, oh, if okay. I could have a spreadsheet for that too, I would. <laughs> uh, we, we're definitely are going to be opening a spreadsheet for like the best, like, uh, taco stands and stuff like that we need to we need to do something like that sigmund bloom is going to take us up on uh the the best uh food joint podcast yeah we need to do that before we go last question dale and i have a very adamant heated discussion between best wide receiver in baltimore one name answer who's that going to be this year well i think uh Steve Smith is my favorite player of all time. Uh, I, you know, grew up as a Carolina Panthers fan, and uh, I love guys like Steve Smith for everything. It's just everything that he is is awesome. He's he's my favorite player of all time, like I said. But unfortunately, I think it's just a huge road for him to come back from multiple torn Achilles at, at his advanced age. And you know, it's hard to bet against Steve Smith. But I'm going to here. I feel bad about it. I think Kamar Aiken is the best wide receiver in Baltimore. I wrote up his reception perception a little while, a while ago. He legitimately did have a nice little late career breakout there last year. It wasn't just a volume inflated situation. And he was productive and was a top 35 fantasy receiver, despite only being the number one target for the last half of the season and playing with guys like Jimmy Clawson and Ryan Mallett. And, you know, he'll get Joe Flacco back this year. Mark Tressman's offenses have never finished outside the top half of the NFL in pass attempts. And I think Aiken is in line to see a ton of volume. And he's the only one on that team that really profiles as a short to intermediate threat, you know, a slot flanker type. So to me, he's the easiest one to project for 120 targets. And I think he's legitimately a good player. So give me Kamara Aiken any day of the week. It, just a quick follow-up. I know we're kind of running short on time. <laughs> just really quick because I haven't had a chance Thank to you, Harbin. Any... <laughs> you obviously know I'm, not, I'm against Aiken. Uh, the only problem I really have with Aiken is that he didn't produce well with Joe Flacco. 
Um, is there anything right. anything in your research that shows, uh, you know, okay, he did well with the backups, uh, not so well with Flacco. Um, can he reproduce what he had late in the season with Flacco this year? Well, I think so. And I think the one thing that we, of course, have to remember is that obviously Steve Smith was there for a lot of the time that Joe Flacco was under center. So that's one variable, of course, you have to consider. Also, you do bring up a good point about backup quarterbacks. A lot of times the most effect, even if they're not good players, backup quarterbacks that are most functional for their offense, just come in and be like, all right, who's my number one target? Let me give the ball to that guy Go over and over again. We talked about Case Keenum earlier. And then he was successful as the Houston Texans relief guy for Matt Schaub. You remember that one Sunday night game when I actually when I like literally fell in love with his game was when he came in against Indianapolis and just fed Andre Johnson a ton of targets. Guy scored three touchdowns, I think, in one game. And so that's something that you see from backup quarterbacks. So that might be a factor in, in, in like you're saying, that's an important thing to remember. But I, like I said, he's the easiest one to project. I think he will be the top target there. So it's not something I'm too concerned about, but it's a good point to bring up. All right. Dale, I've already end, I've already dropped the mic on this conversation. Well, you, nine nine you, straight you, games, you, five catches, fifty yards. That's all I need to know. Christian, you knew that Matt already wrote up a big thing about Aiken, and you knew what the answer was going to be. So I, I love. <laughs> no, I setup. did not. No, I did not. Okay, maybe. All right, Matt, I, <laughs> all right. we, we're running a little long, Matt, but we appreciate you coming on the, our podcast, and uh, you know we appreciate your time. You have a ton going on. Uh, you want to tell our listeners again where they could find you and what you have going on. Yeah, absolutely. It's my pleasure to come on, and, and I'm the luckiest idiot in the world, like I say a lot of times, that uh, you know, I get to talk about football all day, and it's uh, somebody pays me for it. I, like, I'm very, very fortunate, so it's my pleasure to come on and talk with you guys. It's a lot of fun. If you want to keep up with my work, you can follow me at Matt Harmon underscore BYB on Twitter. Uh, you can use the hashtag Reception Perception for all of that content, and you can find all my fantasy stuff at NFL.com slash Harmon. Oh, snap. You got your own... Uh... You got your own slash handle now? That's pretty awesome. I know, right? Well, it would be less <laughs> impressive. It, it would be less impressive if like the guys on our team didn't build it. So, I mean, it's not <laughs> but it sounds cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty awesome. All right, Harmon, well, thank you for joining us and uh, we really appreciate you joining us and we we got to do this again sometime. Absolutely. You know where to find me just let me know. Thanks, Matt. All right, thanks. Have a good night. All right, thanks guys so much. Appreciate it. Uh-huh. goodbye. All right, bye joining us um he's a cool guy to talk to had uh, some great information there uh, again uh follow him on twitter uh go to his website listen to his podcast all that good stuff he's a cool guy um i guess that's it for today guys you have anything else to add no just uh watch some preseason action and um you should start watching some game of thrones get ready for now this next season yeah now watch hey. game of thrones yeah you got you got six seasons to get through before this new one shows up at next I, summer what do you mean have, you have, have you guys seen that thing like three have, times have you guys watched the leaked version of next season yet? The what? What? The leaked version? No, I don't want to see it. Oh, is, why not? Is it supposed to be funny? It's not. They haven't even started shooting yet, Dale, uh, Richard. They're not even. They just got the script yesterday. No, 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 no. My friend said he's he downloaded the whole next season. He's already watched it. He's an well, idiot. Just... Then he's such a liar. No, I don't think he's a liar. He's a cool guy. He he knows what he's doing. What? I'll hook you guys up. I'll hook you guys up. I'll just cut this out, Dale. This whole no, it's this real. whole I'm podcast is going to be taken down now for for you know <laughs> copyright infringement or uh, non disclosure agreements that we didn't even. Sign. Hey, that'll mean somebody's listening, and that's a win. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Good night, everyone. But they won't right. be listening anymore. All right. Thanks for listening. Good night. Oh, oh, hey, uh, f- follow us at Eat Sleep FF. 
Call us, 507-69-SLEEP. Uh, email us, uh, eatsleepfantasy at gmail.com. Go to our website, eatsleepfantasy.com. Thanks a lot. Follow me at Thunder Crespo on all formats. Or not. All right. And we like to play till the sun go down. Yeah, we like to play till the sun go down. Then we take that town. Then we take that town.